aspects of human de-evolution? Yeah, yeah, Rick, call me back in when you start de-evolution, and I'll give you you my fucking rundown. (laughs) Goodbye, wimps. I'll see you later. Are you all ready to join me today in our trip to outer space? Come along quietly or not. I will talk to you of art. For there is nothing else. Some artists make a hook. Yes. You bite upon it. Hello folks, this is Albert Shivers, and you, right this second, are listening to another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. This is the best B-movie of the podcasts. So, since last week's episode, there was a big break, and a lot's been going on. Um, between pandemics and riots and things, it, um, it's been hard to get guests on here. But we got two great ones on this episode. Isaac comes back, and he and I talk about astral projection, and we also talk about light pollution, and then we get into the de-evolution of humanity because of technology. And when we get to that part, we are joined in by our buddy, Mike Strunk, who you may remember from about two episodes ago. He's coming back on the show So that's going to be fun. And um, I hope you all are hanging in there during this pandemic. I got to say that one thing that has kept me sane in moments of insanity has been music. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of old jazz, but what else is new? But specifically, I've been listening to a lot of the Mills Brothers from the early 20s and 30s. And I've also been listening to a group called Lambert, Hendricks, and Bavon. Now, this sort of segues into a little quick story I want to tell you guys. So, normally I keep my plans for the podcast and things secretive. I keep them secretive so there'll be a surprise. I'm just kind of over it. So, I'm going to tell you about this. So, about two years ago... I got the address to the singer Yolande Bavon. She is a Sri Lankan jazz singer from, I believe, Ceylon. She was, um, I'm trying to think, I think from there she moved to Great Britain where she met Billie Holiday and sort of became Billie Holiday's right hand. Billie Holiday took Yolande Bavon under her wing. Before all this... There was a group called Lambert, Hendricks, and Ross. David Lambert, John Hendricks, and Annie Ross. They started in the late 40s into the 50s, that whole jazz beat thing. They were a tri-vocal group led by John Hendricks, who would take instrumental compositions, for instance, Count Basie songs, whatever, and put lyrics to them. And many times, the lyrics would run parallel to horn solos. So they really did this like vocal gymnastics a lot of the time. Annie Ross soon left the group, and in came Yolande Bavon. I got the address to to Yolande Bavon. I wrote her a very nice letter and mailed it out, really not knowing whether or not 
this address was real, whether there was some other Yolan Bavon, I don't know. She lived in New York City. It sort of added up, so I sent the letter. Fast forward to easily six months later, maybe five. I'll be I'll be nice and say five. I'm sitting in a cafeteria at the college. Um, I happened to be there that day. I wasn't a student at this at that point, but I happened to be there, and I'm sitting in the cafeteria, sort of just gathering my thoughts for whatever reason. I was just taking a load off. Who knows? But anyway, I'm sitting there. And my phone rings, it's a number I don't know, and the little birdie on my shoulder, who guides me so well, says, you should answer this. So I answer the phone, and it's this dude, and he goes, is this Albert Shivers? And I was like, yeah, it is. He said, all right, hold on. And I don't know who this guy is, but he puts Yolan Bavon on the phone. Here I sit. In one of the cafeterias at East Strasburg University, on the phone with what I consider a jazz legend. My heart was racing. I just was almost shaking. And there was nowhere I could go. Any which direction that I could have walked in to try to find more silence would have brought me through tremendous, tremendous volume. And I didn't want... So I'll be like, hold on, or let me call you back, because what? Come on, that's not cool. So her and I spoke for about a half an hour. At this time, I was doing another podcast called Roots Revival Meeting, which was supposed to be all about old jazz and old blues and old music in general. The wheels fell off that podcast about four episodes in, and um, I've been very happy with the way this one's going. At the time, I wanted Yolan Bavon to be a guest on that podcast. I would go to her, and we'd sit down and have a long conversation. Between the, that particular podcast getting rickety and then falling apart, and at the time, Yolan Bavon was just about to have like minor surgery, I believe, on her hand. So she wanted to wait till after that. So she, blah, 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 blah. Months turned into a year, yada yada. And now that this podcast is really cooking, and I want to step things up a notch. So, I'm sharing my plan with you. Send your good vibes my way to hopefully let this happen. But, um, we're going to try to get Yolan Bavon on this podcast. Obviously, she's older. We're in the middle of a thing. So I probably won't be able to do it in person, but there's a great chance that this can happen over the phone. And that's what I'm going to aim for. I think it would be a tremendous kick in the pants to the show and a tremendous benefit to all the listeners that this woman who was under Billie Holiday's wing sang in a popular jazz group and lived through it all and is still around, still around to tell the stories, would be amazing. I don't think Yolan Bavon has given a really big full interview. I've read some, so I want to be the first, and it can happen. That's my plan. And secondly, whether this plan works or not, like pandemic or not, I have no intention of ending this podcast. It's been hard-pressed getting guests, but I have no intention of stopping. If this ends up being me 
babbling for 40 minutes a week, that's what it is. I'm not letting this podcast fail. Ain't gonna happen. So with all that said, quick update on me. I've been getting a lot of art stuff done. I may be running an RC Legends race this weekend. If that happens, I'll surely be talking about it next week on the podcast. But yeah, I got some new art stuff cooking. I'm just about to finish a ink drawing of Jazz Harpist, Olivier Miller. almost forgot her last name. That piece of artwork in the progress and more on my Instagram at Albert Shivers or on Facebook, look me up, Albert Shivers. And you can also find me on the Facebook like page, Albert Shivers Visual Artist. On this episode, which I am, again, super excited about, Isaac is back. He and I are going to talk about astral projection and light pollution. And then we are joined by Mike to talk about the de-evolution of humanity due to technology. We also get into horror movies a little bit. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get to it. This is WEVD in New York. Okay, folks, this is another episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. I'm Albert Shivers, and I am once again here joined by Isaac Wilson. What's up? How's it going? And we are here in the mountains of Cresco, sitting in an Airstream trailer, which is a perfect place to record such a B-level podcast like this. (laughs) So we got a lot of topics we're going to hit on. The first thing we're going to hit on is... What we covered the last time we did a show together, which is astral projection. Hmm. Now, for anybody who don't know, astral projection is similar to an out-of-body experience while you're sleeping. Sort of the ability to go around, travel to places when you're asleep, but you feel like you're awake. And, correct me if I'm wrong, you are able to control your own like motor skills. Yes, yeah. Like you're in control of yourself, and possibly even more in control... Whereas people, they can fly sometimes. Right. They can go through walls. Yep. Trans- transmitting their conscious remotely a- anywhere. Free, but yeah. You're guided by your thoughts and intentions, as the theory goes. There you yeah. go. So, you yeah. recently stumbled across an online book that you haven't read about astral projection. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the process of reading it. I picked it up about a couple days ago. There's this cool website. I guess they're um, based out of... Russia or Siberia or somewhere, but uh, yeah, they do a lot of seminars and stuff teaching, you know, the, the finer points of how to induce out-of-body experiences and kind of bridging the gaps between the, you know, subtle inner world and the physical world and, like, you know, what you can do in that sort of uh, in-between state, I guess you could say, so yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure the, the book's called The Phase by Michael Raduga, and yeah, it's, it's on online for free, so definitely check it out. Yeah, I'm pulling up right now. Just, um, yep, that is the name. And, um, yeah, 466 free pages yeah. for people to read. So, there you go. I got into a little bit of the beginning of it a couple of pages in, which was very interesting. Mm. And I'm looking forward to start trying it again because it's been a while since I actually tried to do it. Yeah, but same. I, I want to give it a shot. But one thing about it, um, so the last time we talked about the strategy of astral projecting 
while you're about to go to sleep. But this book also says that it's possible to do as you're waking up. Yeah. That in between REM sleep and conscious, there's a window in there right. where yeah. it can happen. Yeah, that's what I was sort of breezing through, the different techniques. I guess <clears throat> the more direct te technique, as you mentioned, is the, uh, you know, just laying down, trying to get into that, like, calm sort of state, mental state, and, um, you know, like, just willing yourself kind of out of your out of your physical self and you're more, you know, they call it the subtle body in the book, I guess. And then I guess from what I've gathered that that's the more like uh, intermediate to advanced sort of method of doing it where you can just sort of will yourself out of your body and kind of just think about where you want to go and sort of fly there through, you know, the uh, wormholes or some, some method of travel higher than our dimension. But yeah, the, um, the indirect methods touch mainly on a, uh, taking advantage of, yeah, that sort of waking state you're in right as you wake up and how to, like, utilize your, like, headspace at, like, in those first waking moments to possibly slip back into a more dream state while retaining your consciousness. And from there, you can, you know, experiment with various methods of uh, separation, I guess, which is pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried, um, tried a little bit this morning, actually, right when I woke up. I set an alarm for 6 o'clock, and, like, before, you know, I guess you're not supposed to really like move your physical self at all or like even open your eyes but kind of just like you know you're, you're conscious like that's that's the biggest thing and from there you can kind of benchmark and kind of just sort of observe what's in your uh, physical field like while your eyes are closed just observing the phosphines or whatever's swirling around and from there you can kind of get a better sense of um like how like how awake you are how how conscious you are and from there you can start to like play around with like you know okay so you feel your body in a certain position wherever you were when you woke up and um the main deal is is to kind of um like not lose that connection but like realize that you're not just totally bound to the um just the, the physical self and it's like it's let's see here like, for example, if, if you're sleeping and, you know, your hands are kind of, you know, supporting your head, you're just sort of laying there trying to, like, visualize or sensationalize the feeling of, like, your hands are moving, like, outwards to your sides, so to speak. Like, you're not mm -hmm. physically, like, <clears throat> physically, you're just, you know, uh, still, you're sleeping, but trying to, like, get the, the sensation of movement without actually moving. And um, if this is done, like, consecutively enough and, like, you know, with enough discipline, like... I don't know. I'm still like at the very sort of beginning stages of this, you could say, but you definitely feel like like there is like sensation, like something is going on between like moving yourself outside of like your your nervous system, outside of like your physical body, like like the sensation of movement is possible. And from there I guess that's like the big step into starting to um, you know, separate or like completely transmit yourself outside of the body, which is cool. Yeah. Like I said in the last one, the fur the furthest I ever got out of my body that I could really remember vividly is I was just walking around my apartment. Right. And I knew, like, it was this weird realization where I knew what was happening at the time. Mm -hmm. And it felt very fragile. Gotcha. It felt like... Like, there was, there was part of my mindset that was just, like, just lay there still... 
and I could have moved if I wanted to, so it wasn't like sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. But I knew if I did move, it was going to pull me back out of this, like, wandering my apartment like a ghost almost. Yeah. It was going to pull me back into my body and I'd wake up on the couch. Mm. So it felt very delicate. But it was, like, it was crazy. And, like, to when you realize what's happening. Yeah. No, it's, just, it's very much like the, you know, the, like the fragility of it. Like, I, I've read accounts of people who were, like... Um, students of this that were like you know trying very hard every day to like you know get, get to this state and it, you know it was frustrating that they just weren't really getting anywhere they were doing all the right steps everything it just wasn't really working out so they're like oh screw it. i'm just gonna get up i'm just gonna grab some water you know start my day so they get up go to grab a glass of water and like their hand like goes through the, the glass oh, itself man. like like they already achieved that you know just totally popped out and not even realized it but yeah i know i get what you're saying with the uh the subtlety of it it's it's very very strange i mean w- one method i was working with was a uh, you know even just sitting down like completely still but like visualizing the the feeling or you know like yeah i guess just visualizing yourself just rocking back and forth in your chair but like if you're if you're completely still and holding yourself still but just hold that feeling in your head you, you'll kind of feel like you, you're filled with this um weird fluid it's it's weird to feel but like you know so like you rock to the rock to the left and you feel like your your left side of your body starts to feel like heavier than the right and then you know you you move it over to the right and you know you're kind of waving back and forth and you're like you're building this sort of wave pattern but um yeah it's it's really weird and it's not like heavily touched upon i think you know in today's world you know i mean i guess there's more important things in the uh the mind of everybody but i don't know i think it's neat i think the implications could be pretty amazing if i keep going so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep keep practicing i suppose yeah no i mean really what it is is you know the the question of whether i guess it's important or not probably only lies in like i don't know because it could be really important yeah i mean well the, the things you could do like that that's like a you know it's like craziest superpower out there is to be able to to see anything you want without even really being there but um i guess yeah you know you do definitely have to put the time in and you know like keep a regimen going and you know work on the skills and um yeah something something i'm working on i guess yeah like i said i haven't tried in a while but i've wanted to Mm -hmm. and um the last couple of times i did try it i ended up falling asleep yeah. I couldn't, like, it is um, this weird thing where you have to kind of keep yourself, if you're doing it at night before you go to bed, you have to kind of keep yourself mm-hmm. awake to a degree. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely a, a mental exercise, for sure. But, um, huh. just about to say something. Forgot it, but, uh, damn. Well, I've been doing this weird mental exercise when I'm going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Is I'm imagining sleep like it's an like endless ocean, like endlessly deep, let's say. Mm-hmm. Ocean. Or body of water. It doesn't have to be an ocean. Yeah. And the more tired I get as I lay there with my eyes closed, the deeper I'm, I visualize myself sinking deeper and deeper, mm. further and further from the surface. Gotcha. Like treating sleep like it's water. 
Oh, wow, yeah, yeah. And I always end up falling asleep, like, as I visualize myself going deeper into this ocean. Oh, shoot, yeah. I always end up just going, poof, and I'm out. And it's weird, I don't quite, I can't really understand, I'm sure there's some, like, mental reason. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's weird. It is pretty interesting. Yeah, I guess, I guess the biggest thing, you know, if, like, again, through, through lots of practice, you can kind of, like, uh, just maintain your sort of waking state while everything else shuts down, I guess, for the night and just, you know, low power mode, so to speak. But yeah, like, like biggest thing is, you know, figuring out a method that works for you of like feeling like you're being pulled out or lifted up or sinking down to just, just transporting yourself to another place without your, you know, your, your body actually moving, I guess is the thing. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, it takes a lot of practice, but, um, it almost feels like unnatural in a sense that, you know, you really just not physically moving at all. I don't know. It's hard, hard to describe, but, um, yeah. But the more, the more you attempt it, the more natural it does get. Mm. And you will find yourself like getting into the swing of it. It's yeah. just like anything else. You yeah. Like, just... Repetitive. Mm-hmm. So the next thing that we're going to talk about, which goes right along with astral projection and nighttime, is light pollution and how it's messing us up. Because I feel like, to a degree, it is. Mm. We may not realize it, but there is a relationship that humans have had with space since, you know, we crawled out of the ocean. And yes. light pollution is taking that away Indeed, from yeah. us. Ah, it definitely is. I was thinking about that the other day. You know, it's like that's all we really pretty much had once, like, the whole day is over. You know, it's just dark, but there's just these little this mysterious sort of net above us that kind of just sort of over time has you know showed us what's growing on going on you know like how to when to plant food when to harvest it you know this and that it's like it's almost the our main connection it's just weird you know like kids today like a two-year-old in a city somewhere probably would like never have would it would even fathom it you know if they weren't like showed picture or whatever like, and it, this was just like the last 200 years or whatever, you know, we probably would never had any idea it would get to the point where there's just like this, like, orange haze above you all the time. Mm-hmm. It's strange, yeah. Well, yeah, like a little kid in a city, like, let alone smog or, like, pollution, which is a whole nother thing, but just that, like, you know, we don't get the chance to feel small, right. you know? Like, yeah. we don't get the chance to feel like something that is natural is bigger than us. Like, I don't think that looking at a tall-ass building mm-hmm. is the same as, like, looking at the moon or the planet oh, yeah. or the stars. Not at all. Yeah, really, I think would give the impression of just being closed in and kind of, you know, caged up in this little bubble of smelly stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just... Yeah, it's strange. But even even so, like, the building is man-made. 
you know, and we know that. Yeah. So we have like this different relationship with it. But the stars and moon and, you know, all space, like it was there before us and it'll be there after us. And it sort of puts us in our place as like a species, maybe. No, definitely. I mean, it, it must be humbling shit to just look out at just like how endless it really, everything really is, you know. But like that's probably the biggest thing that, like you said, just puts it in perspective just how small and like insignificant all of our problems and, you know, personalities and just everything is in the grand scheme of things. And like, yeah, like, like the further, the more people are away from that, I think just the harder it will be to sink in, you know. You're just like stuck in a weird haze so to speak i mean i wonder if it, it probably definitely messes up with like the circadian rhythms and everything too of everyone just in that you know it's almost like daytime all the time in a certain certain sense just a really dull sort of strange yeah, yeah. no and especially like the more populated area you are and it was weird for me to come up here from the city and it took me time to get used to that like not only the fact that there are no no street lights or anything else but even the just quietness yeah you know like not no m engines no cars no nothing mm -hmm. like just quiet yeah took a while to get used to because in turn like you get used to having to deal with constant light pollution and constant noise and you just grow used to it. Whereas, like, the silence, you know, like, if you're used to it, you're used to it. But, like, mm. it was always like that for people. Right. And now, like, it's probably pretty scarce. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really is a hard thing to put in perspective. And, like, you know, you really wouldn't know how much it's affecting you unless, you know, you really just see what the, the whole other world's like. You know, I mean, I, I've kind of lived in this semi-rural area for most of my life you know and you know it is very quiet you know the, of course there's engines and stuff going but you know you definitely see you get a good view of the night sky which is awesome but mm -hmm. even moving you know further north you know we like made a trip up to maine not too long ago and where we were staying it really is just like just dead quiet like like even being here in this wooded area i just was not used to that level of you know just total solitude or just total like natural order of things Mm -hmm. And like look, like looking up at the night sky, like, like I was just amazed. I just couldn't like stop staring at like how many more stars there were in an area where like civilization or like you know humanity hasn't really inhabited that much or to a greater effect than here. You know, it's like there's so much, so many more stars with just like the and you know <laughs> with however many less people there were up there. Yeah, it was wild. And you were telling me, isn't that? Um, where you guys go up there, one of the darkest points on the East Coast? Yes. Yeah, just from, from where it is, like, like between, like, the, the, just how low the population is and just, like, how, how high it, up it is and latitude, yeah, that is, like, probably one of the darkest points on the, uh, Eastern Seaboard. I'm pretty sure it's, it's the, up there in Maine is, like, the first place in America where, you know, you kind of, you know, daytime kind of happens, like, the sun's up at, like, Four or four thirty, some mm. days. It's pretty wild, but yeah, it's like it's this whole like like it's it's the universe, you know, just like right there, in front of you, and like nothing's really keeping you in between 
aside from the atmosphere and all that but yeah there's just like people born and like you know into that sort of urban world just really would have no idea of just how how huge it is you know so it's very strange no and that that's another point like you know there when i lived in new york you could you can go to any borough and you would find multiple people who've never been out of their own neighborhood yeah never been out of their own neighborhood and when you try all right better example um 10th grade curtis high school staten island new york i had a earth science course okay The teacher, first day class, teacher throws up a map onto the, onto the projector of New York State. Okay, yeah. And some girl in the, in the audience, I was going to say, in the, in the class, says, that's not New York. That's not, that's, that's the country, isn't it? <laughs> and she was like, no, this is New York State. She was, and this girl's like, wait, New York is a state? And she thought that New York was just like the boroughs. Wow. So it'd be like Bronx, Brooklyn, Manhattan, Staten Island, and Queens. That's what she thought the state of New York was. And all that other Michigan up there was just the rest of the country. Tenth grade, right? Tenth grade. Wow. Yeah. That's high school. So, like, there are so many people in cities that never leave it. And they're fine. They're probably doing great. I went to, um, Canada, just staying in New York State, like, just a trip to, like, Canandaiga, New York, where I went to see a show, which is on one of the Great Lakes, mm. like, that's a five-hour drive through yeah. just woods. Yeah. Just nothing, you know, and right. so much of America is like that, mm. it doesn't make it any worse, yeah. but to me, it just is that much more left to experience. Definitely, you know? yeah. No, for sure. I mean, that's that's pretty much how it was like, you know, minus this last, you know, however many, even 300 years, just how, you know, how industrialized we've become on this, you know, exponential graph, this hockey stick graph of just, like, straight up, you know, um, development, if you call it that. But, yeah, it's like, I feel like it's just a great sort of way or tool almost to, to like, get more in touch with yourself knowing that how like this is sort of where you came from this like unconscious sort of natural wild domain we inhabit you know it's really it's a quite a step up i think in my opinion just you know being out somewhere in the wilderness yeah you know it's it's neat hmm. i was curious so i've been looking for like footage or like, like any sort of insight into the phenomena of like just total like citywide you know, power outage, just blackout, like, how long does, like, the light pollution, you know, subsist in, in, in the atmosphere after every everything goes out? Like, w would you assume that, like, l you know, lights out, and then it's just like, oh, no more light pollution, or, like, d would it linger? I have no idea, but I, I think it's a cool, cool concept, you know? Like, if the flip, if the, the switch is flipped, like, I don't know, it just seems weird, like, like that much expanse of, like, sky could just instantly just, like, turn off, you know? I mean, it probably just fades out. Yeah. I mean, it, it would... I bet you it would really depend on 
our ability for our eyes to adjust and how quickly they could. Yeah, that's that's very true. Like, I would be curious to this. If you took a person living in, let's say, this part of Maine, that's the darkest Mm -hmm. part of Maine, a person who is used to being able to look up and see just listless stars in the sky and planets and the moon and the whole bit and in a person in a city whose eyes have been used to light pollution I'm curious if there's a difference in those two people yeah. as a person who's lived their entire life with light pollution and a person who's never had it right. you know or very rarely had it you know no buildings or anything not to the level of LA or New York City or Chicago right right it is crazy though. It's like, I don't know. The further you look, it, it like you were saying with that uh, the painter of the, uh, the constellations. You, yeah. You touched on like yeah like really if you just focus in on one spot, just like how intricate how intricate it gets and just like how much detail and like information, just how many stars are in like one little, you know, square inch, mm-hmm. from your vision of it's just yeah it, it is nuts. It, like doesn't even compare. You know, it's very strange. You know, like one thing we were also once talking about was how, which goes along with light pollution, is how the Native Americans and hunter-gatherers, maybe even of the world, mm-hmm. would use clicking at night mm. to navigate through the woods, that, whether or not, like, even on a moonless night, yeah, you know, they would be able to run yeah. through a wooded area and not, you know, crash into a tree. Gotcha. Because that, you know, like, they never had to deal with the cushiness of lights. Right. Sort of, from their, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So they had to have better night vision. Definitely. Yeah, I mean... You know, and our eyes are probably just all mushy and yep. wimpy compared to vision of, you know, yep. 10,000 years ago. Yeah, no, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of depressing that, you know, the uh, sort of... Um, like physiology in us that has been, you know, um, aided in keeping us alive and, you know, just aiding with our survival is probably definitely atrophied or is atrophying pretty quick as, the, you know, we're just sort of living in this, um, you know, <laughs> system or whatever, you know, where, where food is provided based on, you know, charge, on, on, on wealth, you know, there's really no incentive to, like, go out and get it for yourself. So, you know, th- there's no reason for us to really have great night vision anymore which is kind of sad but i mean the the um the the the, the genetics are, are still in there you know, you know they're just different codes that are waiting to be activated unless mm-hmm. they're just weeded out through you know years and years of you know it's weird but yeah that i've been trying to you know work with that a little bit and um i don't know <laughs> you know you could definitely like take substances and and various things you, you know some of them a little touchy but various um you know funguses you can ingest which do amplify your your, your vision or um you know light intake in, into the eyes so i mean we're definitely capable of this on our own you know it's just like we sort of need the the aid of various plants to do so but it's definitely like like in our genetics to be able to um you know heighten our senses to points of you know what we call the normal I mean, I'm pretty sure, you know, with the, the fight or flight responses too, you know, 
like eye, eye dilation and just we go through all these like very fast quick physiological changes but um yeah it's kind of going downhill a little bit maybe but. yeah probably I would say so I mean these human eyes that took thousands hundreds of millions of years to evolve mm. is now being perpetually bombarded with little tiny screens yep all yeah. the time. High energy. Yeah. Electromagnetic radiation. It is weird. It's so who be. knows how that's going to like affect our vision in the future. We're going to have like 12 year olds with bifocals. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, it's a sad scene. Joe and Paul, let's do a fargenieken, brabrilla Joe and Paul, that weet je bully krieken, brabrilla zoet, a coat, a gieten, zole perfect, a feten daftier, kuiven, nor by Joe and Paul. So this is the one that we're never going to hear, right? Because this is the one where we talk about all the things we're not supposed to. Yeah. Okay, well, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, thing. the people might hear it, though. People? Fuck people. Yeah. All right, go ahead. All right. So we left off where you wanted to jump in on this one, so yeah, we that? waited for it, right. which was... De-evolution. And mental de-evolution. Well, people are comfy, you know? I always think of it as, like, when you're walking out... Okay. There was a time, I think, that human beings, you could sort of drop them off in the woods and they could find their way back to their camp or their home or their place or whatnot, because just like any other animal, they just had sort of a kind of sense about things. And then you can tell the difference between some of these hillbillies back here hunting turkeys in Cresco, or if you're out in New York City, if you're running around looking for which way to go and you're following the street signs and the arrows everywhere you know hmm. like you lose that ability and not just like one generation not just like one person growing up in the city but like generations after generations of telling you which way you're supposed to go and what you're supposed to eat and what you're supposed you know I think I think that I think it does dull their senses I think there's a little piece of their brain that's just shrunk you know went from a pea to a jujubee I think mm -hmm. and, you know one of my favorite tricks was not that you just do this but I know it can be done you could just decide to take a ride up into Canada with one of your with some of your American type friends and in certain areas there's no billboards or advertisements they've just secured that right. the law says nope no snap, snapple signs so you can do that you can take your friends up for a nice big ride through Canada and they'll go through all these wonderful mountains and trees and falls and and scenery and they get jumpy they get crazy in the head and they're like Ugh, there's nothing around here nothing 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 you know yeah. and I've, I've experienced that and I've also heard from other people that that the American folks have a bad case of you know 
which way do I go? Where should what should I buy? Yeah, where's you know, the you can't King? go so many. Yeah, you can't go so far without you know a strip mall and dependent on things like that. And see, now I'm old enough to realize. I think in the last two, three years, somewhere, I just something snapped in me, and it's like, okay, I'm fifty years old, but I'm. Still, you know, the young punk who runs around at rock concerts and befriends all the young artists in town and everything else. And they were getting under my skin for the longest time. But, like, something just snapped. And I'm like, uh, it's over. I'm done. I am more than happy to just say goodbye and become the grumpy, crotchety old man. And this is just one example of that. You know, and I remember getting around with a sense of direction and I the GPS is pretty cool I have to admit but still you know I remember a time without it and I also remember doing a delivery job a lot of delivery jobs without a cell phone at all mm -hmm. and I remember when I got my first little flip phone in fact two phones I got and was driving down the road thinking, what am I, fucking stupid? Almost running into trees and shit, looking at my stupid phone. And I threw them out the window. Just, goodbye. And I'm like, no. But it wasn't to be. I simply could not be a delivery driver anymore without dangerously distracting myself with a phone while I drive. No matter what people say, and no matter how much bullshit they give you, it's that's the evolution, de-evolution. That's where we've gone. We so it's so, unfathomable for like people my age group to like not just navigate anywhere without it. It's like can't do it anymore. You know, it's a little disconcerting. What's the movie you had shown me, Isaac? Um, the POV movie. Yeah, Enter the Void. Into the void, yeah. It, I, I never made it through the whole thing, yeah. but it's not nearly as fucked up as any of this. But I mean, the concept's pretty. I I saw awesome. some of it. Yeah, it, I mean, it follows some trashy. You watched the whole thing? Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say I don't know. I, you know, I should get through it all the way. Does it have a point perspective? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, it, it pretty much it's based off of like the whole Tibetan Book of the Dead thing. You know, yeah. how, like. Well, it's it. It is. I yeah. I mean, I started Which, to watch it, but I didn't. I couldn't. Yeah, no. It, like, I didn't have the time for it really. I mean, it does like as far as like the psychedelic type thing. Like, it does a pretty amazing job of like capturing that sort of like after death like DMT release and all that shit. So that's that's pretty awesome. But yeah, it, it does its best to kind of like again. It just follows like the lowly drug dealer, and he ends up getting like sucked back in, reborn and shit. But yeah, like it's um, it's pretty awesome. This is like as well as they uh, try to adhere to like the whole spiel of like the the book itself, but uh, yeah, again, it just follows like shitty like low life drug dealer type. So if you can get over that, like the visuals, just like spirits flying around and shit, it's pretty neat. Now, I'm always up for. So I'm up like, for anything. I, I I you know I am. I'm a hard nut. I gotta I gotta see it all. And truthfully, the really fucked up things are not my favorites. Most, it's funny, but half of my favorite films over there on the shelf are TV movies of the 70s and movies that are PG. Mm -hmm. But I used to 
make it a point just to see all the crazy ones. And I, as a matter of fact, when I was young, I used to go to the... When I first went to the Chiller Horror Convention, I said, oh, man, it's a whole world of horror, and I want lots and lots of money. And so I would go into that thing, and I would get all the really twisted movies that people would want, and then I would come back and bootleg them. So, you know, I had the guinea pig movies, and I, I, have, I have a lot of the horrid ones, and they're not favorites. I mean, like, I, you know... Like audition, everybody loves that one, and it's hideous, and it's and it's effective. Yeah, I wimped out of that one. You wimped out of that one with you. I wimped out of it. Yeah, that that's pretty good. Like creepy little shy like Asian lady it. who was just torturing the guy. You know, you know when oh, I yeah. sit there and I watch Saw, you know what I mean? Like to me, I, it's kind of stupid. You know, it's just. I can tell that this was written by some 17-year-old Japanese kid. It was like, well, wouldn't it be cool if the buzzsaw came out and sliced their head open sideways? You know, it's just, it's, it's, a lot of that shit's pretty stupid. Yeah. I think uh, effective to me. Gets in your head. Is something where, like the movie you showed me, where you, the first thing you have to do is you have to get people to care about the people you're killing and so if you want to mangle somebody 20 different ways and you don't give a fuck about them then it doesn't matter right and you got die hard 23 where you can mow down 800 people texas chainsaw massacre killed two or three in the whole movie and tortured the shit out of that girl you got those huge angles of her bloody red eye you know <laughs> yeah like that I still like you know that one I watch over and over again probably every year I watch it which movie though was it that I showed you the one that you showed me was uh Trouble Every Day is that the one I'm thinking it's of it's the cannibals cannibal yeah. girl yeah. so the girl that's like you yeah. know there's a dude and he's got a girl yeah. she's got a fetish and it's cannibalism and like He's you trying know, to keeps trying to cure her. Trying and he to keeps cure eating people. And, and, yeah. And you know, at the end, you got to give in. <laughs> you know, she, you know, that's the whole thing. You just you got a relationship between two people. When he eat, when she eats them, you're you know that's fucked up. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, like like Pan's Labyrinth, man. Like I watched that movie, and it was just a moment in that movie where the fucking nasty sergeant takes a bottle and cracks the kid's nose off with it in front of his father. Like that stuck to me as much mm -hmm. as any Serbian film. You know, mm -hmm. just like it. You know, certain ideas. I always thought Cannibal Holocaust was like one of the most horrid to me. Not because I really have any kind of issue with gore and you can rape people with logs and, you know, whatever. I could take the imagination of the sickest mind. But when you take a bunch of pygmies from some island and then you introduce them into this fantasy of rape and mutilation, like, that's the thing that I thought was creepy. It's like, I'm like, okay, you guys went over there and you played this game and made these films with these people. I hope that their girlfriends were all right when you left there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, you chop up some kangaroos and shit, you know, that's just what they do over there. And mm -hmm. that might piss some people off. But, I mean, the whole thing was a big rape fantasy. 
You know what I mean? And I don't know that they do or don't over there, but it was certainly suggested to these little people. You know, right. You know, <laughs> like the things that we do, you know. God, that's it's like so back funny. in yeah, it's like back in Imagine there's just like these like like a white jives coming. Shit. Yeah, they say we're going to make this movie and you pretend to rape her with a log. It, you know, it's pretty fucked up. Mm. You know, it's like back in the day in Coney Island when the guy, the business tycoon, tried to take on the artists and build the biggest fantasy island park and he grabbed all these natives and shit from all over different islands and brought them in and they lived in the resort. You know what I mean? And wow. they end up snapping and going crazy and some but one murdered people and. <laughs> I could see that, yeah. They had live executions of elephants. Jeez. You know. There, there's some Mondo shit right there. You want to watch an amazing film for every aspect of it is the documentary film about Coney Island. Yeah. And I can't remember its name, but I know that Grandpa yeah. from the Munsters. Uh, Lewis, right? Is that his name? Yeah. He was the narrator, narrator of the film. Yeah. But he shows, um, you know, a clip of... If you ever watch the Nine, in, Nine Inch Nails video where they show a clip of a, of a big elephant just, like, going, you know, and, and being paralyzed and falling over, mm-hmm. what that was was these creeps out in Coney Island that were trying to do anything to outdo each other to put on a big show for everybody. There was Luna Park, there was Steeplechase, and then there was the Future Park or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was the one that had all those pygmies in it and shit. So some kid, you know, threw a lit cigarette to an elephant. And of course, it took it and went crazy. And and so now they thought, well, they're going to have to kill the elephant. Well, let's like make a show out of it. And so oh, they set up the ring. Dun, 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 dun. And they put the elephant out there with these shackles around him, like a giant electric chair for elephants. And they execute it for entertainment. Wow. There you go. You want to know some fucked up shit? Right there it is. Yeah. But then exploitation, what does it do for people as well? Mm. Like, that's why I always, I, when I, whenever I get into these conversations, I like to talk about, and again, I'm really bad with names and dates and things, but I remember uh, the movie Freaks, and I remember... It has a lot of real freaks in it. Yeah, it was 1932. 1932. Todd Browning was the director and the dude who did that. He also did Dracula. And he, he was supposed to do... Dracula? Yeah. And he was... Todd Browning also was supposed to do London After Midnight. Oh, shit. Maybe he has it. Maybe he Had does. It. Well, so... But yeah, freaks. Yeah, freaks. You know, and of course that movie... Was pretty much telling the story of, of the shit that was going down before, you know, the Hollywood era when everything was on film. It was mm-hmm. like when people are running around in the country with circuses, you know, and the freak shows mm-hmm. exploiting people. So I remember here reading this big story, and it's a long time ago, and I can't remember all the details and dates about it, but there was a, a person who turned into a group, a lawyer's guild of people, that went up to defend the freaks because they were being exploited. And they said that they're doing this and they're doing that, and they're treating people like shit, and they're throwing them out there in front of people to look at, and... 
poke fun at and ter- and this, that, and the other kind of thing. And it's terrible, blah, 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 blah. And they fought and they fought and they fought and they took it to court and they won. So now, hooray, the freaks. Uh, I don't know who collected any money off of that, probably the lawyers. But anyway, after they won the case, one day they got a visit from a bunch of little people. And the fat lady and the bearded person and the this, that, and the other kind of thing. And those people approached these people. And this was one of the first legal cases I ever read about. And they said, who the fuck are you, asshole? Said, generation after generation of a bunch of us freaks being thrown in a dungeon or a basement somewhere with a bunch of religious people thinking that we're demons and we just, you know, we're, you know... Suddenly the freak show came, the circus came, and we had friends, we had money, camaraderie, we had all these things that we never had before. And in fact, it was the freak shows that gave those people their place. You know? And I, to this day, am always a supporter of exploitation so as to do the right thing for the wrong reasons, even, if that's what you want to say. You know, but like time and time and time again, it seems like it works in people's favor in the end. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Planet Shivers podcast. You can check out this episode and more on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and the podcast app. You could find my work on Instagram at Albert Shivers, and you could find Isaac Wilson's work on Instagram at when underscore in underscore zen. Hope you enjoyed this whole podcast, and don't forget to like and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on, including the Albert Shivers YouTube channel. Thank you again for listening and have a great week.